Welcome to the Daily Bible Podcast, a show intended to help you get more out of your everyday time in the Word. This is a ministry of Compass Bible Church in North Texas, and if you'd like to join along with our daily Bible reading program, you can do so by going to compassntx.org and clicking on the Daily Bible Reading tab. Thanks for joining in for today's episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Hey, and welcome to another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Hello. Happy Monday. It is Monday. It is Monday all day long. That, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Monday the 14th of August. That I don't have anything significant for today. Do you have oh, anything really? significant for today? I, I do not. I don't either. Except that it's the day that God gave us. Right? It's a day that the Lord has made. True. I will rejoice. Right. And be glad in it. In Psalm 139, which is about... Um, 30 or well about 40 psalms away from where we are right now uh, is going to tell us that the lord has numbered our days and has each and every one of them written down before even one came to pass which means today's a significant day because we do have a limited number of them and so we should live it in service to him and starting out your day in the scriptures with the daily bible reading is a great way to do that and so we without further ado are looking at psalm 99 psalm 100 psalm 101 and we've got four today. Psalm 102. That's a lot of psalms. It is a lot of psalms. In fact, Pastor Rod told me, can we just skip some? Before I did this? not. I you did no such that. thing. No. He just, he told me not to be as long-winded. So. He said, you just talk too much, bro. <laughs> Have mercy. Help us. Don't talk as much. Okay, fair. Uh, talk less. Smile more. Smile more. Right? Speaking of Don't musicals. Don't know what you're against or what you're for. Yeah. Speaking of musicals, um, I know that all of you would love to be in the room where this happens, but... Oh, I see that. Yeah, but you're not, and uh, we're here, and we're jumping in with Psalm 99, which is all about the majestic holiness of God, and I, I read through this psalm, Pastor Rod, and I don't know about you, but I, I, I just thought about our third distinctive after reading through this. We seek to maintain a high view of, of God, mm-hmm. um, and I just think that this is that call on not just us, but everybody. I mean, this is uh, commending God as holy and commanding us to exalt him and saying that that he is uh, great and he's exalted over all peoples, the call to tremble before him and let the earth quake before God. That's amazing. And uh, there's times that, I mean, my my mind always goes back to, to Exodus chapter 19, which is the right before the, the Ten Commandments when God shows up on Sinai and the mountain quakes and it says that the, that the Lord spoke to the people out in, in thunder. I mean, what an amazing, scary, what an amazing, terrifying thing that must have been and awe-inspiring at the same time, right? And that's that fear of God thing that we've talked about before. I think it's the awe and the wonder and the amazement and the trepidation and yet this confidence that we have to, as Christians at least, say he's... We, we are on his side, so to speak, because of Jesus. Um, we have the ability to draw near to him because of Jesus. And what a blessing that is. Holy is he, holy is he. It, it repeats that over and over again, which means he's completely other than we are. And yet we get to come near him because in Christ we have been made holy ourselves. I like verse, verses five and nine seem like they're the, the chorus, as it were. They, they have that repetition. Verse five talks about worshiping at his footstool. And then verse nine says worship at his holy mountain. So even even though a footstool is a rather lowly position, that's how Zion, that's how Israel should have thought of herself. She is the, the footstool of the king. She was uh, honored by having this lowly position. And that's, I think that's the point. God, the Lord Almighty reigns, and, and we are privileged 
to wipe his floors. We're privileged to just to sweep his kitchen, as it were. I think that's a helpful thought. God is great. He's mighty. He's, he's greatly to be praised. And if we have the smallest role in the kingdom, then so be it. We have that privileged position. Yeah. Yeah. Some 100, some 100. So I'm keeping it 100. Hundy. <laughs> Is a, uh, a shorter one, only five verses, but uh, just a, a psalm of thanksgiving and praise to God. Know that the Lord, he is God, verse three. It is he who made us. We are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture, which We're is his sheeple. part of his, that song, come let us worship him, bow down, mm-hmm. for he is our God and we are the people of his pasture. His sheeple. Yep. yep. We're the sheeple. Open its, do you ever do that with your kids with the, the hand signals and here's the church, here's the steeple, open the doors and see all the people? You know, I've never done that. I, I've never understood it. So maybe you could explain it to us right now because maybe I'll do it. It's just a thing that you do with your hands. Why? Because it makes kids laugh and they find it amusing. I've never laughed at that. Well, you wouldn't. You don't don't know. You don't know. I remember being exposed to it. Maybe somebody did that to you when you were like six months old and you just got the biggest grin on your face. No, I doubt it. I I probably would have been upset about it. I think. Why? What's the point? Dude, I hope the the Apostle Peter meets you in heaven at the pearly gates and he just does that. I don't think he would. Anyways, um, this is just a good reminder psalm to us, which is is uh, verse five. For the Lord is good. The Lord is good. Can you say that today with us? The Lord is good. The I mean, that's good. We need to remember that, church. I mean, it's 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 true. It's Monday, but the Lord is good, right? Whatever is going on in your life right now, this is a true psalm, and it's helpful for us to remember that. I think that's why Christianity is so I don't know unique, interesting, so so distinct among the other religions. The other, I mean, I. I <laughs> I'm doing some research right now on Hinduism, and I'm, I'm learning a little bit about their gods and uh, how they approach their their culture, yada yada. And I'm trying to put my mind in in the mindset of a Hindu and how the family connections. And anyway, long story short, I'm getting I'm getting a newfound appreciation for how Christianity stands in distinction to the other religions. And one of those things that stood out to me is that we have reason to be in legitimately good moods. Like we can always choose to have joy mm. and not a not a false, superficial, I'm just going to smile to make myself feel better kind of joy, but a deep sense of joy because God has it all under control. He's given us salvation. What more do we need? We can wake up every day, no matter how hard it is, and still say, I'm going to choose to have joy because God has it under control. He saved me. I have no other major problems. I have problems, but my biggest problem has been resolved. I can choose joy. Yeah. Yeah. Randy Alcorn's book, Happiness, makes that very point. He says Christians should be the most joyful people on the face of the planet because of that reality. Yeah, um, yeah, super, uh, super good thought and helpful thought. And uh, and and part of that 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 flows out of that too is the other theme in the psalm is is the gratitude, the thanksgiving, right? That not only choosing joy but choosing to be thankful, and and that thankfulness will often create that joyfulness in us. If you're mm-hmm. looking for, okay, how can I wake up tomorrow morning and choose joy? Start to think about the things that you're grateful Count for your that God has provided, and that will pr- produce it most likely. Well, Psalm 101, we get to another Psalm of David. And so David is back again. And David's writing a Psalm that a lot of commentators think he wrote before his fall, before his sin with Bathsheba. Um, And uh, yet we don't have a a specific date on the superscription here, but he's talking about uh, wanting to be blameless and walking in the integrity of heart. It's not impossible that this was written afterwards if if David was truly restored, which we, we believe that he was and understood the forgiveness of God, which we believe that he did. But uh, he seems to be setting a very high and lofty bar for himself, which is good. And uh, this is something that we should aspire to as well. I will walk in the integrity of heart within my house. I will not set before my eyes anything that is worthless. Hey, how about we take that and make that our standard for what we watch on TV this week? 
how about we take that and make that our standard for what we choose to, to, to let our eyes look at on our social media applications this week? How about we take that and make that our standard for, you know, what we, we do with our computers this week? I mean, what a, what a great standard that is. And, and, and we should aspire to that. I will not set before my eyes anything that is worthless. I Someone hate to make a screensaver of, of that, of that. Yeah. Yeah. Or a cool wallpaper. Yeah. Yeah. With cool, like graphics and font and yeah. everything. Maybe like font like 1418 has. Like 1418. Yeah. 1418 is a coffee shop nearby, by the way, if you're wondering what that is. It's worth stopping by if you haven't yet. Delicious coffee. Great coffee. Great coffee. Uh, Verse four, a a perverse heart shall be far from me. I will not know anything or I will know nothing of evil. Um, David is aspiring to faithfulness in this psalm. And one commentator pointed out, I I think it's it's helpful for us to think about this because you might look at that and go, okay, I'm going to aspire to that. Am I going to be able to do that perfectly? No. Was David able to do this perfectly? No. Okay. So then what do we do with this? Well, we let it remind us of the one who did. Jesus is the fulfillment of Psalm 101. Jesus is the one that did this perfectly for us. And he is the, the one that nailed this for us. And when we think about um, the, the cross, when we think about the gospel, when we think about uh, 2 Corinthians 5.21, we get that. We get that righteousness. We get his full integrity credited to our account as though we did do this with absolute perfection. So David's aspiring to it. We should aspire to it as well. But let it remind us, Christ is the one that did this for us perfectly. Yeah, I think verse three, uh, I I thought immediately that verse three was talking about idolatry. I won't set things like idols before. And certainly that's included. I'm sure that's 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 a particular point in his mind. But I think the the point is also more more broad than that. Um, I I thought in, in our day, 2023, that this would be a really helpful verse in terms of our own focus and attention, where we spend our time thinking. And you talked about television and, and what put on our computers, and that's true too. But thinking about just the undisciplined nature of, of most people's minds today, because yeah. we're so addicted to dopamine, we're so quick to pick up our phones or to find some novel distraction that we don't give ourselves uh, the freedom to give our full attention to something worth our time and attention. So to put our Bible in front of us and to give it undiluted energy and effort and investment, and that's a way for us to fulfill that, to not set before our eyes anything that's worthless, but to put in front of us things that are immensely valuable, mm. like the Word of God, or even just another image bearer, to have great fellowship with somebody, to be unhurried and undistracted, to give your full time and attention to that. Well, in Psalm 102, then we get into a lament psalm, but a lament psalm that is not a lament without hope. Um, the psalmist here, it's the superscription, the prayer of one afflicted when he is faint and pours out his complaint before the Lord. It's a pretty descriptive uh, superscription there. I appreciate that. What's going on? Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I think every single person who's listening to this has probably been there feeling that way. Okay, Lord, I'm, I'm worn out. I'm frustrated. I'm I'm mourning. I'm, I'm sad. I'm depressed. I'm I, I, I've got doubts. I've got questions. And, and here they all are. And, and you lay it out before God. And that's what the psalmist does, beginning entreating the Lord to hear his prayer. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Let my cry come to you. Do not hide your face from me in the day of my distress. Incline your ear and answer me speedily in the day that I call. And some of the themes that we've picked up on Psalms in the past, the temporality of life or the temporary nature of life. Verse three, my days pass away like smoke. My bones burn like a furnace. Um, He's talking about. Thought of Hutchins. Hutchins. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. But probably not smelling as good as as Hutchins. No, no, not the same. Yeah, this this is just like the local podcast today. It's like we're talking about fourteen eighteen Hutchins. Yeah, 
his enemies are taunting him. He's, he says, I eat ashes like bread and mingle the tears with my drink. That's mourning is what that's referencing. He's not scooping up ashes and putting them in his mouth, but it, throwing the ashes on his head, it's, it's that concept there. Um, as he's mourning, as he's tearful, as he's grieving over these things. But, verse 12, and that's, that's where it begins to turn, but there's this praise about God. And he's, he's remembering who God is and he's remembering God's sovereignty and he knows what God's going to do in the future. And that's where the rest of the Psalm goes is it's an anticipation of the coming Messiah. He's hopeful in God's ultimate deliverance. And though he grieves right now, he's looking forward to the day when the Messiah will come and bring the deliverance that he so craves. Come quickly. Yes. Yep. And that's what we should pray to. We should be praying that as well. Come quickly, Lord Jesus, because this world is a, is a bad place in so many ways. And yet we lament, we mourn, but not as those without hope. Let's go to Romans chapter 13. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, I'm man. there. What if you were like, no. Are you ready? No, we're not going to do that. <laughs> we're going to go to First uh, Peter 3 instead. Uh, Romans 13, man. This, yeah, wow. This is a big subject. It, it was a, a massive subject uh, two or three years ago. I think it's still big. It's still big. It's still a, it's still a, a, a relevant topic, which is why I'm excited to have you talk about this. Yeah. Great. I'm glad that Here we go. you put it that way. Here we go. Okay. So here's what the first seven verses boil down to is this. God is the source of all authority on earth. Okay. And as the source of all authority on earth, he delegates that authority to the leaders that hold their positions, their offices. And our job is to obey those leaders as an extension of his delegated authority. They're there because God put them there, okay? So that's the generalized principle that's at work here in this passage. Some people have said, well, if you consider Paul's life to this point, experientially, this is what he's experienced to this point in time in his life. He's experienced good from the leaders. If you think about the the times as we read through the book of Acts, that he was in a situation where the crowds were becoming violent and the the authorities stepped in to prevent that rioting, prevent that violence from taking place and restore some order to the the proceedings. And so there there are some that have said, well, well, this is Paul's experience to, to this point, but don't let that discredit the fact that this is Paul writing under the inspiration of the spirit. This is God's principles at work in this passage for us. And so when we think about what happened most recently to us with this is, is the situation with COVID. And there were a lot of things going on out there and people were, were looking at, at passages like this and people were throwing this out there. And then the retort was always, well, I'm, I'm going to choose to obey man rather than God. And, and there was a lot of consternation in the church, especially about, okay, where do we need to obey the governing authorities and where do we need to obey God? Right. And the the bottom line principle, the the measuring stick is this. If the commands of the government are telling you to disobey the command of God, that's where you say, I need to obey God rather than man. Like during COVID. Like during COVID. With some things. If the commands of the government are simply something that you disagree with or are inconvenient for you, but do not cause you to transgress the commands of God, we can't apply the same principle. So when the government said, hey, wear a mask to everything. And, I mean, I guess in Texas, we're, we're, talk, we're talking about local podcasts today. Um, I don't think they had the same restrictions. In California, uh, you couldn't go to a bathroom or a restaurant or any place indoors and not be told that you had to wear a mask. At that point, uh, I guess the science was up in the air. It's pretty settled now that masks are actually harmful to your health and not helpful. So there were some back then who were saying, hey, we shouldn't, we shouldn't make these rules and we shouldn't legislate this because there's, you know, the jury's still out on these things. 
Was that a just use of the law? Were the Christians obligated to follow those things, even though there was little to no scientific backing at that point? I, I, I don't, uh, this may be controversial, but I, I don't think that was a command for us to disobey God. I know we get into the, the argument about stewardship of our bodies, and I, I think that's a, a, a big I think that's a big conversation to have, and I, I do think potentially there's grounds to have a conversation at that point. But to your what you said earlier, nobody knew at the time, right? Nobody knew. There was conflicting information coming from all over the place. And just at the bare bones facts when we looked at is is the the command from God to wear a mask causing me to disobey or <laughs> command from the governor to wear a mask causing me to disobey a, com- a direct command from God. I can't, I can't give you a chapter and verse on that. I can't. So Governor Newsom was hanging out at the French Laundry in the middle of COVID, the, the COVID lockdown. He was having all sorts of fun food with his friends um, at a restaurant that was closed except for him and his friends, and they weren't wearing any masks. Um, and yet, in all the press releases, as you remember, he was wearing a mask. He would go up there and wear him, take his mask off to talk in the microphone, put it back on. It seemed like there was at least some reason to suspect that the governing authorities were insincere. They weren't doing this in the purity of their hearts. I don't think Does the that motive, change anything. No, because I don't think the principle is connected to the motive of the one leading. I mean, your Paul's writing this under the reign of Nero, right? I mean, it, it, the, the morality or the, the integrity of the one issuing the command is not at in view here. It, what is in view is that person has been put in place by God, Right. And their authority is a, a, a delegation of the authority of God. Now, I'm not saying we agree with everything. And I'm not somebody here who's championing masks during the time. I, I, I hate them, right? I, I was not a fan of them. But I, I, I don't know that we can fire that shot as Christians to say, well, I, I'm going to choose to obey man rather than God or obey God rather than man in this because this is clearly something that's asking me to disobey a command of God. I think we've got to be careful with that. And that's, that's the thing. I think there's a seriousness when we look at the New Testament example of faithful believers who, when it came down to it, they were, when, when, if they're saying, hey, shut down the church and you can't do church anymore, we're going to keep the doors of the church open because that's a clear command of scripture. We need to be the church and we need to have the doors of the church open. We need to continue to gather together. And if you're going to come arrest us for that, so be it. But if the command is something that inconveniences me because I just don't like it, but I can't point to scripture and say, this is where I can point to you chapter and verse where this is, is transgressing a, a clear command of God. I, I, I don't think that we've got the grounds to play hermeneutical Olympics to, to make it fit what we want to do. So in verse three, Paul says, rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Does it not suggest then that Paul at least has in his mind the fact that the laws that he expects Christians to keep are those laws which we would agree with as being inherently good. So in other words, if it violates maybe not a law of God or a command of God, but a principle of God, um, could you say principally, well, okay, uh, if the government, so, okay, here's a, here's a good example here. Someone used this a long time ago. If, if, if the government says, um, I don't know, you, you had to always wear the color blue on Tuesdays. It's not, I mean, that's not good nor bad. It's kind of, a, you know, an adiaphora, I suppose. Am I bound, is my conscience bound to do what the government says if it's not one of the, and I'm using good here biblically, the good things that God has said? In other words, if they're not staying within their realm, their lane, am I free to disobey them? No. No, and, and, and 
I may be in the minority on this and the majority of the people listening to this podcast may be disagreeing with me right now and yelling at their podcast. Um, look, I, I get it. I get the frustrations with it, but I, I do think that I, I don't think that this is, we have to be careful not to put this in the subjective lapse of my preferences. And that's where, wherein I, I think the, the print, the precept of, is this asking me to disobey a direct command of God? If the answer is yes, then I'm not going to do it. But I, I don't want to go searching under every rock and every nook and cranny of scripture to find some interpretation of some command out there that will let me get out of doing something that otherwise I should just do. I, I, I just, I find that to be dangerous, right? Like if, if the government said, okay, you, you talked about the clothing example. If the government said, okay, on Tuesdays you have to wear blue. Okay, I'm going to wear blue on Tuesday, fine, whatever. But if they said on Wednesdays you have to wear a rainbow in support of the LGBTQ community and you're wearing that to support the LGBTQ community and we're all as a nation going to do this together and if you're not, you're breaking the law, then I'm going to say, dude, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not going to wear the rainbow on Wednesday because you're asking no me. command that says that. Well, but there's a, there's the, the good of that's morality. That is, that is something supporting that is something that clearly is taught against in scriptures. The, the, so wearing a mask is not taught against in scriptures, right? It's, it's just not wearing blue on Tuesdays is not taught against in scriptures. The design of gender and the sexual design of, of marriage between a man and a woman is clearly taught in scriptures. So I can go to that and go, here's the clear principle that you're asking me to transgress. So I think one of the takeaways for all of us here, uh, I, I did hope to bring out some of the complexity. This is not an easy scenario, but going back to yesterday's reading, Romans chapter 12, be renewed. You have to have scripture in the ready. Yep. You have to have so much of it in order to discern, okay, what what's the right move here? Right. And every church had to make that decision. I remember right. we, we sat around a table a lot and right. kind of hashed out these details and try to figure out what's the best move. How do we do this and be faithful? And how do we honor God and honor our government without violating our conscience? I mean, there was no right answer. No, there were so many difficult days. And, and maybe you can appreciate a little more as you heard Pastor PJ and I discuss it, or actually, let me just ask a lot of questions. Uh, but you need to know scripture. Ultimately, at the end of the day, you're going to have a mind transformed by the renewal of the spirit through his word. You have to have a wellspring of scripture running through your mind at all times so that you can have the wisdom of God to apply the word of God. Hopefully that encourages you to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Verse eight has a, uh, just an outstanding uh, admonition and encouragement to us when he says, Oh, no one, anything except to love each other for the one who loves one another has fulfilled the law. Now, is this saying, if you go into debt, you're in sin? No, that's, that's not his argument here. He's saying, don't have any outstanding debts. Don't have any debts that you know are outstanding, that you owe, that you're not fulfilling, except to, to love one another, because we can never ultimately fulfill that. We're always going to owe love to other people, because to, to love the way that Christ has loved us is something that is on our docket for the rest of eternity. I would say not even just the rest of our lives, but even into the, the new heavens and new earth, we're going to be bound by this command. Hey, you know what? We need to love others as we ourselves have been loved. And so what a, a cool concept that is there. And then he goes on from there and, and says um, the, these, these great statements in verse 11, you know that the, the, the time, the hour has come for you to wake from sleep. Salvation is closer to us today than when we first believed. What he means by that is salvation, not the justification, but the glorification that when we will ultimately be finally saved, when we will be with God and free from the presence of sin completely, that day is nearer today than it was yesterday. 
and it was near today than certainly when we, we first believed. He said, so as a result, you know what? We need to cast off the works of darkness. These, these sins, and he lists some sins there that are sins that we commit against other people primarily. And he's admonishing us towards loving one another and towards that unity. And, uh, and, and as we wait for him, we, we want to daily put on the Lord Jesus Christ. What does that mean? Go read Colossians chapter three. If you want to look like, you want to know what does it look like to put on Jesus? Go read Colossians chapter three. That's your extra DBR reading today and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Um, and so Amen. just a cool way to end chapter 13 there. Yeah. Ch- chapter, chapter 13 reminded me of Galatians five. Yeah. That whole concept of feeding your spirit, uh, serving the spirit, not gratifying the desires of the flesh. So amen. Yep. Well, hey, thanks for joining us. And uh, hopefully you're not too angry at <laughs> at our take on Romans 13 or, or maybe my take on Romans 13. Um, listen, I didn't like masks either. And so if you think I'm like championing masks. He has a stockpile. I <laughs> still loves them. I'm wearing, I'm, I'm wearing one here. <laughs> I'm wearing one right now. No. Uh, but he hey. makes us wear them in the office. <laughs> Authoritarian. I have a picture of Gavin Newsom hanging in my office. <laughs> I don't, I don't have any of that. None of that Favorite is true. Governor. It's all lies. It's all lies, except for the rest of the podcast. That, that hopefully is true. But hey, thanks for tuning in for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Bye, y'all. Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. We hope and pray this has been a blessing to you and your time in the Word. If it has, if you would subscribe to this podcast, leave a like, leave a comment, and share it with some friends and family, that would be awesome. If you need more information about Compass Bible Church here in North Texas, you can go to compassntx.org. Again, that's compassntx.org, and we'll be back with you tomorrow for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast.